1: Uh, my name is Michael Sayo Cincy, and I am a uh, graduate of LM8, and we're here this Sunday to uh, welcome Wendy Sheniel Cincy, who is joining us today from the Rochester, New York area. She is a graduate of the Lay Ministry Class 2 LM2, past president of the Trailblazers, and a current faculty for the Bright Dawn Center of Oneness Buddhism. Wendy, thank you so much. Go ahead.
0: Thank you, Michael. Sensei. Um today I'm writing about I'm writing. I'm talking about mindful writing. Um and it it sort of uh I was I was prompted to do this by a little practice I've been doing uh for the month of August and um essentially it brought me back to my childhood and kind of reacquainted me with how much I like writing and how important it is for me in my practice as a person and as a Buddhist. Um, I've written in journals ever since I was a kid. And even though back then, we didn't call them journals, we called them diaries. You know, those small little fake leather-bound books with a lock and key. I guess if you weren't a girl, you might not have had one of those. But um, it was a little lock and key on it, so it kept my brothers and parents from reading the very important thoughts and feelings I had as a 10-year-old. But be, even after my little locked-up uh, diary, um, when I became a teenager, I started started continued to write. But I filled up notebook after notebook after notebook. You know, during that time as a teenager, where you were exploring, exploring the world, exploring your own mind, exploring your thoughts. Um, I, the journal helps me actually understand. Um, my own emotional responses to things, sort of my worldview, if you have a worldview as a teenager, but I think that's when it starts. So, and then as I continued to write these notebooks, um, the notebooks then branched out again to a whole other form of expression um, poetry. I don't remember the name of the seventh or eighth grade teacher who hooked me on poetry at the time. Boy, do I owe her a lot. Uh, Not that I'm some kind of great poet, but poetry for me is therapy. And I do think it's also mindfulness practice. So she gave me a gift. She gave me the gift of poetry, a gift that I find is the vehicle to express me and to express me at the intersection of everyone and everything else that I interact with on a daily basis. Looking back, I see these journals as the beginning of a lifelong practice of writing. Now, in my adulthood, the practice has been much less consistent. But if I were to point to a practice that has consistently been my, my personal practice of mindfulness, either even before becoming a Buddhist and now after becoming a Buddhist, it would be writing. About 15 or 16 years ago, I actually served as the Writing Center Director and Writing Tutor at uh, SUNY Empire State College uh, in Rochester, New York. And in the Writing Center, up on one of the walls, there was a sign, and it was a big sign, and it it, it read, I write to find out what I'm thinking about. Far beyond my experience as the Writing Center Coordinator and Tutor, I thought uh, that's always stuck in my mind as what writing summarizing what writing really is to me. In um, thinking about that and preparing for the storm glimpse, I decided I, I should Google that because I don't, I think and the sign on the uh, wall of the writing center, it said like anonymous or something. It didn't give credit to anybody for saying it. So I Googled it and I found it through Goodreads that the actual quote is, is like this. It's not quite that simple. And I like how, how it really reads. I write entirely to find out what I'm thinking, what I'm looking at, what I see, and what it means, what I want, and what I fear. The author of this quote is Joan Didion, I guess a novelist and essayist who I had not heard before. And according to Goodreads, her writing typically revolves around or revolved around an overriding theme of individual and social fragmentation. Now, when I read that, so individual and social fragmentation as one of her writing themes, it really struck me um, because I think those are the ills that writing heals in me. When I write, I am no longer fragmented from myself. When I write about what I'm seeing. What I'm thinking about and what I'm feeling, everything bubbles back up to the surface of my consciousness from wherever I had originally buried it. And when I write, my writing allows me to see the world and the people around me exactly as they are, not as I prepackaged them and then placed them on the shelf. My writing Buddhas or Mentors were first that seventh or eighth grade teacher, then a poetry mentor, my poetry mentor while at Empire State College. Her name was Kath Anderson. Then the influence of Buddhist poets, both ancient and current, both Zen and Tibetan, including Basho, Isa, Kobrakpa, who by the way is a Tibetan. He's called the Hermit of Goldcliffs, and he wrote some f- fabulous stuff. And writings of some Chinese nuns, spanning centuries more recently I've gotten encouragement and inspiration about writing from Gary Snyder and Clark Strand and finally introducing to the theme of today's Dharma Glimpse it was Satya Robin and Kaspalita Thompson who introduced me to the technique of the writing I'm talking about today and it's called small stones my Dharma Glimpse today was inspired by Sacha's and Kaspa's mindful writing exercise, Small Stones. Over the past few years, they have inspired mindful writing through Facebook, Twitter, and online groups, inviting others to participate in creating and posting their small stones. By the way, I forgot to tell you that uh, Sacha Robin and Kaspa Thompson are priests in the Amida order. A sort of a sister group um, to the Bright Dawn, um, headed by um, Dharma Vidya, also known as David Brazier, who wrote the book The Feeling Buddha and many others. So anyway, over some years they it had this challenge. They would post a challenge on Facebook and or Twitter and say, you know. Let's do a month of small stones writing, and everybody would post their small stones. And so you would you would be part of like this mindfulness writing sangha because if you were not doing it and everybody you read others, you, it got you back on track again. So their most recent challenge is called Awake August, and you can find it at the by using the hashtag Awake August, all one word. When you'll find it on Facebook and Twitter. It is a collection of mindful writing or small stones from across the globe. So what is a small stone? Okay, a small stone is simply a piece, a small piece of observational or mindful writing. Typically from one to a few sentences. It can be in haiku form or poetry form or prose. The purpose of writing small stones, though, is not about the writing. But it is about the slowing down long enough to notice what is around us, what we smell, see, touch, hear, taste. Quoting Satya Rabin, she says, Writing small stones helps us to step outside our whirling head, which preoccupies most of us for most of the time. It is a discipline to notice at least one thing outside of ourselves every day. If we can be open to what it is other, it can offer us new wisdom and remind us of how many options there are. As an example of small stones, I'll share a couple of my small stones from the Awake August challenge. So from for August 2nd, my entry on the Small Stones Challenge Facebook and my personal Facebook was Uh, an item I titled, Drought. Lawns are a dusty cardboard, creek beds with only rock. The red command of crimson king leaves shrink and dry like an aging ruler. And on August 7th, my small stone was dancing flies. Clouds of tiny insects float across August lawns seeking a sunlit stage, dervishes whirling and undulating in vertical waves to a mystic rhythm silent to me. Satcha reminds us that when we try to put words on something we experience, we pay more attention to that experience than normal. This few minutes of mindful attention is a brilliant practice that can focus your attention on nature, on your home, your spouse, your family members, your pets, your neighbors, or on the things that you might think are ugly or troubling, but become beautiful through your attention. It can be a gratitude practice, but it can also help you focus on things that are left undone in your surroundings, in yourself, in others. Another of my writing mentors, Clark Strand, talks of haiku also as a, as a spiritual practice. In this from his book, Seeds from a Birch Tree, Writing Haiku and the Spiritual Journey, he writes, my true practice had, has always been writing haiku, but it took many years in the interim to rediscover the simplicity of that. Haiku is not an ideolo- ideology. That is the essence of haiku art because haiku demands a fresh response to each new situation, and because it places images before ideas. It is guarded from becoming a religion. Rather, haiku is a spiritual path. So thank you to Satya Robin and Caspalita Thompson for starting Awake August and starting this practice years ago and helping me discover and rediscover the simplicity and beauty of a small stone practice. As Reverend Coyle Kubosi and Reverend Yome Cabosi teach us in their books and in their living words, a centerpiece of the bright dawn way of oneness is about our everyday spirituality. But unless we are present to what is in our everyday, it's not spirituality at all. And unless we are seeing things as they are, We are not truly seeing. So, thank you to all my writing Buddhas for teaching me that writing is a sacred practice because it trains me to truly see things as they are. So, as an invitation, today I invite you all to pick up a notebook and look around to discover the small stones hiding right before your eyes. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Wendy. That was a great Dharma lunch. And I'm going to kind of comment on a couple of things. And I think we mentioned this before, but when your uh, little poem on dancing flies, I love that. Uh, it, when you said the dervishes whirling and undulating in vertical ways, it reminded me of the Turkish men with their full skirts on as they're doing their whirling dervishes. And it really is a spiritual thing. So that was a great uh, dharma glimpse on small stones and it kind of leads me into what i was thinking about i've been rereading the nikon uh, gratitude grace and the japanese art of self-reflection excuse me by greg kakrex i believe that's pronounced properly and uh it really does kind of lead into what you were talking about with the uh gratitude practice that can be focusing on things that are left undone in your surroundings And yourself and others. So, uh, I also would like to mention that it kind of brought me on the subject of gratitude because I wrote a class for Daily Om, and it kind of fits in with your uh, Dharma glimpse. And it's called Meditate to Live in Profound Gratitude. And I'm going to share a little bit of one of the lessons. And the lesson's called The Miracle of Flowers. Native plants and all our plants in our environment are very important to our Earth and, and native plants are part of a supporting setting. They're like a plant collective where various types of environments have been established over time, creating relationships between native plants and the wildlife in our surroundings. And a lot of things that we don't realize are certain native plants exist only because certain animals or insects pollinate or feed them. Native plants are important hosts for many insects and animals, And you want to think about putting yourself in the perspective of what you need to survive. We all need water, food, oxygen, sunlight, and shelter. Our responsibility is to create a refuge with the same attributes for our native plants, insects, arachnids, and wildlife. And did you know that insect pollination supports one-third of our human crop growth? And of this number,
0: honeybees
1: are responsible for 80%. In addition, scientific evidence has proven that without varied wildlife such as bees, bats, butterflies, worms, and dragonflies, our food resources could be limited to just bread and water. So I wanted to have a little mantra for today's Dharma once. I am committed to cultivating compassion and learning ways to protect the lives of people, animals, plants, and sex and the preservation of minerals. So getting into meditating for a minute, when you meditate, concentrate on something like the miracle of clarity, just as a flower unfolds so that the layers of one's mind, by developing clear thinking, we create right intention in our daily lives. So when you're meditating on an image, psychic, etc., when meditating on a flower or any object, be aware of the flower in all its spectacular glory. Do not think of past flowers. Only think of the flower that is before you in this present moment. Concentrating on the present moment will help us develop clear thinking. The Buddha stated, if we could see the miracle of a single flower clearly, our whole life would change. So that's pretty much it for me t- today, and I appreciate everybody. And Wendy, what a great job. And everybody, enjoy your sunny. Thank you for joining us today. And Gosso and everybody, let's have a a, a silent moment and a deep breath. And as Reverend Coyle would say, until next time. Thank you, everybody. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly
0: beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count.